Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for being here with us today. I thank you for your presence, which never leaves our side. God, right now, I pray that you will speak through me. Pray that you'll speak through me in a mighty way, that you won't let any distraction that might come up get in the way of the message that you have for us. Pray that you remind us of your goodness and your power today. Remind us of what you have done, what you are doing, and inform us of what you're going to be doing in the future. We love you, and we pray this all in your son Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Alex DeRosa. I'm the pastor of student ministries here at New Life, and I'm really excited today because we get to not only kick off a new series, which is called New Beginnings, The Promised Land, but we're also kicking off a new year-long emphasis, and that is this idea of new beginnings. We just came out of this emphasis that we were going through for a whole year called Experiencing God Unreserved, where we wanted to discover what God was doing in the world around us. We know that God is at work right now, and we want to partner with Him because He's doing some pretty incredible things. But as we've experienced these last several months, one thing that's been coming up into our minds as the speaking team and as the church at large is that things have been difficult. Like we, I mean, we can kind of just brush on a rug, but things have been really difficult. We need to bring that to light and say, okay, why don't we look forward and start some new beginnings? Let's make this next year as awesome as it can be. Yes, we have gone through some hard times, but God is still good, and we want to we wanna partner with Him as we go forward. Now, before I get into kind of the negative aspects of this last year, because I, I do want to not minimalize that or marginalize the fact that there have been difficult times, but I was listening to a podcast recently, and it was hosted by a guy named Craig Rochelle. He's a pastor of Life Church, and his, his church actually hosts New Life Thought online, which is kind of cool. So this isn't like a plug for him. This isn't like a paid advertisement for Craig Rochelle, but he is very good, and his podcast is awesome. And he was interviewing a guy named Michael Hyatt recently, and Michael Hyatt is all about future planning and, and cool kind of stuff like that, organization and whatnot. And in this podcast, he was talking about the negative things that have happened in 2020. And he said, easy. It's easy to focus on the negative things and what we have not been able to do. However, what he said was, we have to ask ourselves, what does this crisis make possible? Because there have been hard times, but there's also been good opportunities during this time. And it blew my mind because for too long during this year, I started thinking of what couldn't we do? What wasn't normal? What has been extra hard since 2020 began? But after I heard that, I started to think in my mind, there has been good stuff. I mean, personally, for, for, for me and my family, is I've spent more time with my family this year than maybe ever, which is great because we're now a DeRosa party of four. We just had our second son, Joel. So we have Ezra and Joel now, and along with me and Rachel. And so we got to spend a lot of time together during quarantine, which is great. Sometimes it makes you go a little crazy, but it was altogether great. I mean, one of the other things that was good is when Ezra was born, I remember spending a lot of time with him late when he was crying up at night watching basketball. I'm a big basketball fan. I like the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're terrible this year. But that year when Ezra was born, I got to watch them in the finals, and it was awesome. This year, I was like, oh, man, Joel's going to be born in July. I'm not going to watch basketball with him. I'm going to have to find something else to stream on Netflix or something. 
but basketball was postponed, and then I've been watching basketball when Joel's up late at night crying. I mean, it's a tiny little thing, but it's still, it's something that makes me happy. Another small thing is, you might have noticed, June, July, and August, we didn't really get any kind of rain. I don't know if the clouds were just quarantining themselves, but we didn't get any rain, which was kind of cool because I didn't have to mow the lawn more than like twice. And I know you might be saying, Alex, I love mowing the lawn. Or Alex, I love watching people mow the lawn so much so that I think it would be a cool Olympic sport if we ever have the Olympics again. Well, I tell you this, I don't like mowing the lawn. So this year, it was great to have kind of a break from that. I know, a tiny little small good thing. In July, or yeah, in July, I was hosting this auction on this website called Board Game Geek very geeky. I have about 100 board games, and I decided to sell like 40 of them. And because I got word that the Myanmar orphanage in Yangon, Myanmar, that the New Life students served at last year was in need of some help. They weren't getting aid during this quarantine time, during COVID. They haven't had anyone visit their country because they're not allowed to, and so they had some needs, everything from a deep water well to water storage to a leaky roof to to toilets that needed fix, and so I thought I'd do a tiny little thing by just selling a couple games and hopefully getting some money. They were asking for about $4,500, and I had a guy from Florida, and this happened over and over and over, but one instance sticks in my head. I had a guy from Florida that messaged me and said, hey, I don't want any of your games, but I do want to help this cause, and I want to help it because me and my wife have saved money because we haven't been driving to work, we haven't been changing the oil in our car, so we just have extra money sitting around. We want to give it to this orphanage, so they gave $100 just because of that. And then when I came back to New Life and said, we, we didn't make $4,500 in this auction, can we cover the rest? New Life said, yes, we'll cover the $2,500 that you need so that Myanmar can have everything they need. And that was because of this, this time that we're living in. Another awesome thing, New Life students, we had to pivot from in-person worship to Zoom worship to house church worship. And now we're going to kick off in a couple days with a new form of, of both in-building some days and house church some days. And our team just responded amazingly well. It was so cool to see their leadership just rise to the top and, and them just kill it in every aspect. And so yes, 2020, again, I don't want to minimalize how hard it's been, but I do want just to get our minds thinking, what has this crisis made possible? Because after all of this is done, and as it continues, it's good to remember that our God is still good and he has not abandoned us. Let me tell you again, God is still good. He's still good through all of this, and he has not abandoned us. I mean, we look at history, and when Lucifer tried to form his coup up in heaven to overthrow God, God didn't abandon the world at that point. God didn't, wasn't defeated during that. When Adam and Eve, when they sinned, when they disobeyed God and they were removed from paradise, God didn't abandon them. He wasn't done with humanity at that point either. When people... When humans took his son and hung him on a criminal's cross, God wasn't done with us then, and he wasn't defeated by that. So 2020 has nothing on those things, and God's not going to be defeated by this year that we're going in. However, again, there has been challenges, and it's, it's important for us to bring them up. Pastor Mark did a great job with this recently in, in a message that he had uh, two weeks ago, he, and if you, if you missed it, I, I want to encourage you to, to go on back and to, to listen to it um, because it was just that good. But in that message, he said this, in my lifetime, there has never been a season of more isolation 
or a greater need for genuine community, backbiting, name-calling, and self-righteousness are at an all-time high. Let me, let me read that again. Backbiting, name-calling, and self-righteousness are at an all-time high. Now, he wasn't just exaggerating. He was pointing out the obvious, that things right now are difficult. That sometimes we have done things that have hurt other people because of the, the crisis, the situation we're in. Sometimes we allow the negative situations we're in to define who we are. Sometimes we even allow the negative things that, that occur to us to kind of help, help define our personality, and we respond in kind. But during all of this, it's important to remember that our all-powerful God, that same God, that same God that defeated death, that same God that rose his son from from the dead, the same God that wasn't overthrown by Lucifer, that same all-powerful God loves us, loves you and me, and he made us in his image. That same all-powerful God came to this earth to die for us so that if we are in that boat where we were sinning against our neighbors, if we were saying those things to people, if we were catching ourselves doing the wrong thing, God came and died for us as sinners, that all-powerful God. A lot of times I I think I, as a speaker, I stop there. I say like, okay, God died for the sinners. Jesus died for the sinners. But Jesus also died for the sinned against because we're one. We're all sinners, and we're all sinned against at some point in our life. And so if you are in the situation where this year, whether it was someone saying something to you, or multiple people, or just a situation that you're in, I want to let you know that Jesus died so that he can form a relationship with you, so he can bring about healing in your heart, that he can join together with you, and his Holy Spirit can fill you up, and you can have healing because of who he is, and because he loves you, because you're made in his image, and you're precious to God. Recently, I heard a quote from this guy named Troy Weaver. Troy Weaver is a general manager of the Detroit Pistons. Now, again, I like basketball. I don't really care about the Detroit Pistons, but when I heard this quote, I was pretty pumped about it. And not often do I hear a quote that maybe isn't directly from the Bible or from like a leadership podcast that I'm like, I got to share it on stage. But this is just one of those instances where God spoke through someone in an interview about a basketball team that really worked on my heart, and I wanted to share it with you today. Some, some backstory for you. The Detroit Pistons were terrible this year, and every team that was bad in the NBA they were thrown into the draft lottery. So if you're really bad, you get more ping pong balls in this like bingo type lottery. It's a better chance to get the number one pick. And the Detroit Pistons thought that they were plenty bad enough to get a really high pick. You want the first, the second, the third pick to, to get the best talent for your team. However, when draft day came and the ping pong balls came out, they ended up picking not first, not second, not third, but seventh, which was not ideal. So some reporters went to Troy Weaver, the guy that runs the team, and they were like, how mad are you? Like, how ticked off are you that you guys were really bad and you had a great shot at a first, second, or third pick, and now you're picking seven? Like, that can't be good. And he responded in this way. He said, before everybody starts with the, woe is me, don't do that with us. We're not built that way. We're going to charge forward and get after it. Oh man, I love that. That's like such a good mentality. Before everyone starts with the woe is me, don't do that with us. We're not built that way. We're going to charge forward and get after it. Man, that's so good. And we need to hear that sometimes because yes, sometimes we need to hear like, hey, it's okay. We got to understand our emotions. We, we've been through a hard time, but there's times to say, hey, we're built stronger than that. 
because God says we're made in his image, and that's the image of the all-powerful God. We're built to last in stronger situations than this. I mean, God's people have been through some hard times through all, all time, whether it was when they were enslaved or they were exiled or when the Roman church was being executed by the government at that time. And during that persecution, when people were literally being killed by the government for being simply Christians, Paul wrote to the church in Romans, and he said it this way. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Sometimes we I think for me at least, we think that, oh man, really bad things are going to happen to us, and they can. But what Paul is saying is that no matter what comes against us, if our souls are united with Jesus, with God, then we get heaven someday that we get to spend eternity with heaven. So they can attack our bodies, whatever, but our souls are still going to be with Jesus. But not only does he say, hey, like, take courage. Nothing's going to defeat us. Victory is ours through Jesus. He's also saying that there are going to be troubles ahead. There are going to be battles to fight that are coming up. It might not be tomorrow, it might be next week, it might be next year, but although we've been through hard times, there will be some challenges ahead, and we will need strength and courage for the battles ahead. We will need to be ready for them so that we're not shaken, so that we're not tossed aside when they come. Strength and courage are needed for the battles ahead. That actually comes right from the book of Joshua. And this series that we're in right now, New Beginnings, The Promised Land, is all about the book of Joshua. It's about this this guy who took a nation of people into the promised land. But Joshua's story doesn't begin here, but it really starts in prominence whenever he takes leadership from Moses. You see, Moses ran God's people. He was the leader of God's people ever since God called him to free the nation of Israel from being slaves. At the beginning of Moses' story, though, he kind of gave God a woe is me speech. God was in a burning bush and was like, hey, Moses, I need you to free the people from slavery. And Moses like, man, I can't do that. And God's like, don't you remember who made you? I built you. I know you can do this because I'm going to be with you. So Moses goes with his brother Aaron, and they bring all these miracles from heaven. They confront Pharaoh, who is like a god to his people. And Pharaoh eventually says, yep, you guys can get out of here. So they're going, and there's this sea in front of them. And Moses puts his staff down, and this sea splits, and they walk through dry land. Amazing stuff. While they're in the desert, Moses would smack a rock and get water to come out of it to nourish the people. God would speak directly to Moses, so much so that when Moses got done talking with God, his face shined with the glory of God. Moses also got the Ten Commandments from God. He talked with God face to face. Amazing, amazing leader that came out of this really unsuspecting 
path where he thought, nah, I can't do this. But eventually, near the end of it, the people, God's people, looked at Moses and like, man, he is amazing. Did you, do you remember what he did? And so when he was about to die, Joshua was tagged to replace him. And this had to be terrifying. I mean, those are big sandals to fill. But Joshua was going to do it because God was calling Joshua to do it. And not only was he just supposed to replace Moses and keep like the status quo, God was also saying, Joshua, I need you to take the people to a place that Moses couldn't. I need you to take the people into the promised land. And if we fast forward to Joshua chapter 12 a little later, it mentions 31 kings that were in the land that they were about to take. So it wasn't like, hey, Joshua, go take this land. It's empty. All you got to do is just walk for a while and then plant your people and get some tents. It's going to be pretty cool. Instead, what happened was he was like, there's going to be some battles ahead. So if you're nervous about something, if you're Joshua, it makes perfect sense replacing Moses taking the promised land, trying to defeat like 31 kings. So before Moses died, before he passed the torch over to Joshua, he would say this to to the people at large. He said, so be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord, your God, will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. I want you to hear that for yourself today. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Then Moses called for Joshua. And as all Israel watched, and this is a really good leadership move. This is just a side note, but calling Joshua up in front of the whole nation to say this was a great move on him, anointing, uh, appointing uh, Joshua to be leader. He says, be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. Moses is saying, Joshua, you got this. Just be strong and courageous. After he told all the people, be strong and courageous. And you don't need to be strong and courageous if things aren't going to be challenging ahead. Now, Joshua was still nervous about this. We've heard strong and courageous twice now. It's going to happen three more times in just a little bit when God talks to Joshua. And Joshua needed this reminder over and over. I'm kind of like Joshua in that way. Sometimes I need to be told three or four times the same thing. And sometimes when God calls me to do something, I question it. I go, really? Me? I don't know why my voice goes up when I question God, but I guess it does happen sometimes. We, me? You really? I, I'm going to do that? And, and when God says, yes, I need you to do that, it's not really because of me. It's because of him. And so he's about to remind Joshua of that. But Joshua's fear at this point was that he was going to let God down. He was going to fail God. And a lot of times we feel that same way. We're going to go out and tell our neighbor about Jesus. We're going to form a community with people. We're going to do the work of, of God. It's hard work, but, but God's calling us to do that. Can we really do that? Or are we just going to let God down? But it's important to remember that God's holding us up, not the other way around. God's holding us up, not the other way around. Listen to that. He holds us up in his victorious right hand. We don't hold him up, so we're not letting him down. He's the one that's going to empower us to go through these situations. And he tells Joshua as much. He says this to him, and he takes that same strong and courageous language, and he says this, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. 
Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Before we move on too far, I just want to remind you that last thing again. The Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. It's so amazing that God can speak to Joshua directly, but he can also speak to our hearts through the same passage. And it's telling that not once, not twice, but three times God had to remind Joshua to be strong and courageous. But during that, he's not just saying that to pump him up, to get him super, super excited about taking out 31 kings. What he's doing is he's actually giving him instruction on how to be strong and courageous. He says this, God said to meditate on his word, study the instruction continually, and remember that the Lord your God is with you. He's saying meditate on the word. Remember what God said. And for us, that's God's word. That's the Bible. To, to study that instruction, to not just memorize it, but realize what we're supposed to do with it. And then lastly, to remember that God is with us. All three of those things are awesome, but what we're going to do today is focus for the rest of our time on that last one, and the third one, which just says, the Lord your God is with you. Remember who he is and what he has done. Because, and this is our take-up point, it's the one point that this whole message is all about. It's the one thing I really hope that sticks in your head, kind of like a popcorn kernel sticks in your teeth, that it just like kind of sticks in there so that you kind of think of it once in a while, especially when you're going through hard times. And it's this, that remembering who God is and what he's done will give us strength and courage. Remembering who God is and what he's done. So not only the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the all-loving God, but also what he's done in our lives to create us. He died for us already. I mean, already we're at his point where he's given us air every single day. He's keeping us fed. He's keeping a roof on our house, He uh, over our head. He is doing amazing things now. He has done them in the past, and he will in the future. And if we remember that stuff, we'll get strength and courage. And don't we need courage? I mean, as I, I work with the, the students, what I've realized over the last couple of years is most of our students, I don't know, 50, 75% of them would say that they struggle with anxiety at some level. I think that's true for us as people. I know for me that it's something that brought me into counseling years ago, and, and Christian counseling is an amazing tool. If you've never used it and you need someone to talk to, Christian counseling is awesome. I want to release you to that for a long time. I thought, man, that's kind of wimpy, but it's not. It's really important and needed. If you need someone to talk to, a Christian counselor is awesome. If you need resources, you can type that into the chat right now, or you can um, private message or ask for prayer for um, whoever's the online host, and they'll give you some resources for that because counseling is awesome. But in my anxiety, one of the verses that I continue to come back to when I need courage when I need reminded about strength is when Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. He said this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So far, that sounds a lot like the challenge to Joshua. Remember God, his word, and know that the God of peace, which we want that peace, is with you. 
He finishes this way. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things, all this through him who gives me strength. I, I tripped up a little bit there at the end because some translations will say, I can do all things through Jesus who gives me strength. And Paul is reminding us that, yeah, we can be anxious about stuff, but that's only really because we're not remembering who our God is. And truth be told, strength comes from our all-powerful God, and courage comes from remembering what he has done. But during crisis situations, sometimes we're so stuck into what we're doing in that moment that we're not able to look back and to remember what God is doing and what he has done. My wife actually taught me this recently. It was July 19th, or I guess technically maybe July 20th, sometime in there, because July 19th was a Sunday. My wife was six days overdue with our baby boy, Joel. Um, so we're getting ready at any moment to have this baby. Ezra was seven days late, and so we're kind of used to that week after the, the due date being just miserable. And every, I mean, I maybe shouldn't say that because I wasn't the one carrying around a baby for nine-plus months, but it was still it was tough for all parties involved. But the 19th started like any other day. So it was a Sunday. We went to church. Um, during the afternoon, I went to a student's graduation party while Ezra took a nap. And then at night, we actually went out to eat. We had some burgers and fries and ice cream. It was awesome. We go home. We, we put Ezra to bed. We're reading a story to him. And it's like 8 or 8.30. And I remember Rachel reaching for a side and making kind of just like a pained noise. And in my mind, I go, whew. It's happening. Like, we're going to the hospital right now. Like, the baby is coming. Super pumped. Let's go. Let's get our bags ready. I mean, I, I told you I was anxious before. My bag was packed already. My bag actually was probably overpacked. It was like twice as heavy as Rachel's because I had this fear of not packing everything because when I was in high school, I didn't bring anything to retreat. No extra pairs of underwear or deodorant or toothbrush. It was a miserable weekend, so I've kind of learned from that. All that to say, I was very anxious and ready. And I had my bag and let's go. But my wife assured me, hey, this is nothing. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's fine. It's, it's something little. It's going to pass. I don't think we're going right now. And I'm thinking, okay, well, fine. Well, I'll listen to you because you're the one having the baby, sure. And so we put Ezra to bed. We go downstairs and a couple hours pass and Rachel's still not feeling well. She's feeling like there's this pain that keeps happening. And she goes, oh, it's probably the food. I mean, why did we eat burgers and fries and ice cream? Like, my stomach is just super upset. And I was like, okay, well, we should probably go to the hospital maybe because it's probably the baby. But fine, yeah, you wait, whatever you want to do, that's okay. So I'm showered, I'm ready, got my stuff. And at about 11 at night, I hear my wife from the next room let out a scream. And for me, that was it. We're going to the hospital. So I go in, I check on her, and then I grab my phone, and I call the hospital to let them know I'm coming. And of course, they put me on hold, frustrating, so I put the phone down, and then I go grab her phone, and I call Rachel's parents because can't just let Ezra stay at the home by himself. I mean, sure, he might not notice it until the morning. He's in his crib. What's he going to do? But we didn't want to scare him that way. So we called Rachel's parents and said, hey, can you please uh, come on over and just watch the house while Ezra's sleeping because uh, we're kind of having a baby right now? And they said, absolutely, but they're about an hour away. So they start coming, and I needed someone else to watch the house while they're on their way. So I called my buddy Justin Kovac. He decided to come over. But as I'm getting off the phone with Justin... I hear my wife in the next room yelling at the phone, I am pregnant! And I go over and I run in there and it's on speakerphone and she's yelling and this lady on the phone says, 
excuse me, miss, what did you say? Are you pregnant? And I'm like, oh my goodness, this lady, I mean, I'm glad that she's not in person right now because I don't want to picture what would happen to her. My wife yells at her again. I said, I'll take this, okay? So I take it off speakerphone. I'm like, yes, my wife is pregnant. She says, oh, when is her due date? I'm like, it's six days ago. We're having a baby. Just prep everything in the hospital. We're on our way. So we hang up, we get in the car, and the GPS tells us it's about an hour or 45 minutes or 50 minutes, something along those lines. And I'm thinking in my head like, Let's make it in 30, because my wife's contractions are like a little less than five minutes apart at this point. The baby is coming, so we gas it, and we're flying. And I'm not generally someone that speeds a lot, but we were going fast. And I'm just trying to like watch the GPS, get those minutes to, to knock down. At one point, my wife, who had her eyes closed this whole entire time, yells, Alex, are you speeding? And I'm like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And she's like, stop it, stop speeding. I don't want to be speeding right now. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I slow down and then I speed back up because we got to get to this hospital. Um, a couple minutes after that, I got a call or Rachel got a call on her phone rather, but I picked it up and it was from the hospital. And she's like, can I talk to your wife? And I was like, you could sure try. I mean, I'm not promising anything, but here she is. And she's asking my wife how far these contractions are part of something along those lines. And my wife's contractions were about two minutes apart, and we're about 20 minutes away. So the lady says, do you need an ambulance? Do you need um, roadside service for, for delivery? Because you might not make it. And my wife goes, nope, we're going to the hospital. We're not having a baby on the side of the road. So she hangs up, and we start driving. Um, when the GPS says we're about nine minutes out, my wife thrusts the phone over at me and tells me to call 911. It's already typed, and all I have to do is press send. She says, pull over, call 911. And so I start thinking, like, okay, Ezra was born a couple years ago. I was there. I don't really know exactly everything they did, but could I do it? Could I deliver this baby? Because if I call the hospital, they're probably going to take about 10 minutes to get here, that ambulance. And so I'm not super sure that I wouldn't beat them to the hospital before they beat us here. I don't know. And then as I start remembering all that went into Ezra's birth, I just threw the phone down, and I gassed it. We're not, I'm not becoming Dr. DeRosa this day. We're going to get to the hospital. So as we're going, we're flying through around Ben's. My wife says to me, well, more like screams at me, which is fine because it's a pretty tense situation, to start praising God. And I was like, what is she saying? Because at this point, she has been talking to God and to herself, generally not to me, because when I answer, it's like, I'm not talking to you. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. So I'm like, is this, is this for me to start praising God? Is that? I, I took too long, all right? I took too long to respond. So she yells it again, more forcefully, start praising God. So I begin. And so I start just praising God for anything I can think of, whether it was for our marriage, for us being together, for a healthy boy, Ezra, for our boy on the way, Jewel, for giving us this car to drive, for allowing us to celebrate my birthday at the aviary beforehand so that I got to see the birds, even though I wasn't going to because my birthday was on July 21st, and right now it's like July 20th, so that's neither here nor there, but it was still cool. And so I'm praising God for literally anything I can think of, how he's been good in the past. And there's this calm that kind of comes over us, even as we get into Pittsburgh, even as, as I run two red lights, even as I cut off a bus and pull into the hospital, God delivered this kind of calm as we started to praise God. Now, it wasn't like there was no anxiety. I mean, for instance, we, as soon as we walked in the hospital, Rachel you let out a yell that notified everyone in the hospital that we had arrived because that baby was coming. So we put Rachel in a wheelchair. We wheel her up to the, the ward where the babies are going to be born. 
And they put her on a stretcher, and this whole like flock of nurses and doctors are all rushing down the corridor to the delivery room. And Rachel's yelling. Everyone has these panicked looks on themselves. I'm carrying my heavy bag and Rachel's bag with me. And we get to the room, and they said, Rachel, can you make it to the delivery bed? And Rachel's like, not going to happen. And so they try to like pull her a little bit onto this other bed. And as she's on half delivery bed, half stretcher, Joel arrives. It was the craziest situation. And it's so cool to look back on how strong my wife was. She impressed me so much for her courage and her strength. And in that moment, you can't say like, oh yeah, she relied on the IV or the medicine or whatever like that. That got her through it. What got her through that moment was remembering that God was still good in this crazy situation, that God was going to deliver us through this because he's done amazing things in the past. And she did that by demanding that we praise God. It's cool because as I look at Joshua's story, I see he did something similar. Now, he wasn't pregnant. He wasn't going to have a baby. But what his people were doing is they were about to to go into the promised land. They were trying to walk their way to it, and they ended up at the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River was stopping them from getting to the other side, of course, and they have a huge grouping of people. But Joshua remembered that before Moses, he split a Red Sea. So what's this river? So they split the river, it becomes dry land, and they start walking over it. But before they just get to the other side, Joshua stops and says, hey, we need to remember what God is doing right now because this is awesome. So he gets all his priests and he says, hey, you guys grab, grab stones, grab 12 large stones and make a monument here to God to remember what he's done. And it's recorded in Joshua chapter four. It says this, we will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. He stopped and he remembered. He took some time while they're walking and this, this sea has been split or this river has been split for them to just simply remember that God is doing this and empower them for all the battles ahead and reminded generations after them what God has done to let them know that there's strength and courage to be found in God. What would it look like in our lives that even amidst the crazy things that are happening, what would it look like if we start to give more moments to God? And you might say, like, I give some moments. What would it look like to give more minutes or hours to God where we sit at his feet and listen to him? where we spend time hearing his word or gaining his comfort by remembering what he has done and who he is, by simply saying to God, you are the great God. You are all powerful. You have died for my sins. What would our lives look like? I believe that they would be completely transformed. And I believe instead of being frustrated and crying out, I'm done with this, which is what we do, right? Like we yell, I'm so done with this, especially this year. I've heard that more times than I've ever thought that it was possible. I've said it too, I'm done with this. Instead of being frustrated and crying out, I'm done with this, we'd remind ourselves that God is never done with us. When his son was betrayed by humans, he wasn't done with us. When his son was beaten by humans, he wasn't done with us. When his son was hung on the criminal's cross for our sins, not for anything he had done, but for our sins, he wasn't done with us. When Jesus died, he wasn't done with us. In fact, he rose again from the grave so that if we ever give our lives to Jesus as Lord, meaning owner, Savior, meaning rescuer from sin and death, 
our, our hearts, our, our, our beings, our souls can be united with God, our sins can be forgiven. We have a relationship with God on this earth that healing can occur, and we get to spend eternity with God because he's never done with us. The all-powerful God, no matter what situation you're in right now, he's not done with you. He loves you. He wants to provide healing for your heart. He wants to join you in relationship with him. If you've never done that, at the end of this message, we're going to have a moment to to pray, to ask Jesus to come into our lives so that when we start to remember who God is, we can gain strength and courage by being united with the all-knowing God. Sometimes it can feel overwhelmingly hard to apply some of the stuff that we talk about. Sometimes it can seem like, am I even able to accomplish that task? But let me tell you, today's next step, the thing that I believe will bring us strength and courage, I want to tell you that I know you can do it. I know you can do it. You can do it as soon as this, this stream ends. You can do it right away, and I believe that it will start giving you strength and courage. I believe that because when I, when I was praying about this and God kind of showed me that this is what we should have as the next step, I started to do it myself. I started to do it in the morning, and I've been through... We've been, I know it, we've been through some hard times this year. I've been through some really difficult times where I felt like, how am I going to make it out? Where I was crying, where I felt like my self-worth plummet through the floor. But so when I start to remember who God is, he's reignited the flame and he's remembered that it's not about the woe is me stuff. It's, 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 I'm built stronger than that because I'm built by God in his image and so are you. So this next step, if you want to, to take a step towards strength and courage this week, it's simply this. I will start each day by praising God for 10 things. Now, 10 is just an arbitrary number. You could do more than that. I think if you did, it'd probably help you even more. I want to encourage you to do this with your family. You guys can sit around the breakfast table, and I'll take a couple of these to say out loud. I believe there's power in that, in proclaiming the name of Jesus and what he's done out loud. You could do that in your head. You could do that right now. You could do that in the morning as you drive to work, as you're on the bus to school, as you're sitting in homeroom, 10 things. It's a springboard towards strength and courage because there are going to be hard times ahead and we're going to need to be able to handle them with God's strength and with God's courage. But as we look to the past, we talked about how the people of Israel were enslaved for hundreds of years and that was very difficult, but God saw them through it. And the people, God's people were exiled for 70 years and God saw them through that too. And even small stuff that we go through, God can see us through that as well. Sometimes I think of it in the way that my son right now, Ezra, our oldest, he's a little uh, over two years old, how he goes to playgrounds and he climbs all the time. But sometimes when he gets to the top of a ladder or the top of a slide or top of the jungle gym, he yells out to me and my wife and he goes, I can't do it. (laughs) Instead of just being like, I don't know how to get down. I can't do it. And he has this pain expression on his face and his hands are, are spread out asking for some help. And sometimes I feel like that's like our relationship with God where we look up and we say, I just can't do it anymore. This will help us to remember that God is still with us. And if we rely on him, we could do all things through God who gives us strength. And in fact, though, sometimes what we got to do is me and my wife, we got to go and we got to help him down because we're built for that. As much as Ezra is built to come back down, he knows how to do that. We're built as his parents to help him out, and God's built as our heavenly father to help us out as well. That's why his son came to this earth in the first place, to help us out, because we couldn't forgive our sins on our own. He needed to die, to take everything that we've done wrong onto his shoulders, to be sacrificed for our sins so that we could have a chance at eternal life in a relationship with God. 
And if you've never done that before, we've tried to make it as simple as possible because God wants you to enter into that relationship. We've made it just three steps. The first one is admit. And it's just admit that we're sinners. Admit that we've done things in our lives that are against God's will. Admit that we need God as our Lord and Savior. Second one is just believe. Believe that God is the one true God, that Jesus was his son and he died on the cross for us. Believe in him as Lord, again, meaning owner and savior, meaning rescuer from sin and death and confess sins. Confess your sins and ask to be forgiven and then confess him as Lord and savior. If you wanna do that today, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. I wanna encourage you to, to hit that button that just says raise a hand so that, that we, we know. And if you wanna follow up, you can ask for prayer and, and the host can follow up with you. We wanna give you even more resources to help you in your journey to grow closer to God. But if you wanna pray this prayer to admit, to believe, confess, would you please close your eyes and bow your head with me right now as we, as we pray. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've turned away from you and haven't lived relationship with you. I believe that you are the one true God, the Savior of the earth, the Savior of the whole entire world. And right now I confess that my sins, please forgive me from them and join me into relationship with you as Lord, as you are my Lord and Savior. I want to give my life to you as owner. I want you to take it and forgive me of my sins. I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. As we go out into the world today, whatever comes our way, let us remember that our all-powerful God is with us. He will neither leave us or abandon us. He will not fail us because of who he is. So let's start remembering all the good things, the big things that he's done, the way that he's created us, the way that he died for us. Whatever brings you joy in life, just praise God from remember that he has been, he is, and he will be in the future. And he will give us the strength and courage to handle the battles that are ahead.